I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I'm so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. I have a real beauty boss here in the office, Tara Foley, founder and CEO of Folane, which is a clean beauty retailer that has really taken the world by storm. You guys now have 80 brands, 75 employees, six locations, and internet dominance. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you so much. Um, that means a lot coming from another beauty boss. So thank you so much, Laura. Um, yeah, it's great to be here. Okay, awesome. So I'm really excited to talk to you because I've been reading about Folane all over the place. Um, you know, I already mentioned it's a clean beauty retailer, but can you explain a little bit about what the company is all about? Sure. So um, we've been around since 2013. We um, carry skincare, hair care, makeup, um, a little bit of everything. Um, we don't do ingestibles yet, so just the stuff that's on your skin. Well, the CBD is really having a moment. It I is feel like really, really having a moment. Is and that I'm clean? Testing all sorts of CBD products. It yeah. depends. It depends on yeah. the sourcing and the extraction and. Um, it depends on the rest of the ingredients in the product, but uh -huh. CBD can be a really great ingredient, just like rosehip seed can be. So, um, but we have become known for our selection of skincare products, and we've become known as matchmakers when it comes to clean beauty. So, if somebody wants to try cleaner products for the first time, uh, they'll come to our website and they'll take our big skin quiz, um, which will recommend a full routine across cleansers, toners, moisturizers. You can take mini quizzes inside of each of those categories. So you can take a cleanser quiz, a moisturizer quiz, a mask quiz. Um, and basically, we're take, we took all of our learnings from the years in our stores um, and on our website and hundreds of thousands of quiz completions um, to drive an algorithm. So we're matching people with the best options for them. Yeah, that's very cool. OK, I want to rewind a little bit because um, I I'm so interested in hearing more about your origin story. So did you know going into, you know, college that you were going to be this clean beauty CEO? Absolutely not. <laughs> and you started out as a lawyer, right? I, so I was on the path to going to law school. Okay. I was studying for the LSATs. Uh, I was working at a huge law firm here in New York, Cravath, uh, Swain and & Moore. And I was uh, fresh out of college with a public policy degree. I was a beauty junkie at heart, um, and I still am, obviously. And um, I was very, I didn't love my job, and to be, to put it mildly, and I was um, focusing on my own health and wellness for the very first time in my life. I didn't grow up in like an organic household by any means. Um, and so I was cooking for myself for the very first time, and I really liked cooking healthy meals. I was going to the first Soul Cycle Studios here in New York, and I loved that, and I loved kind of taking care of myself. and. I was reading about those things, basically, how to take care of myself online, and I was learning about how, I was just learning about this idea of natural beauty and how there were brands out there that were using the same ingredients in the food that I was so excited about, basically. And I was unimpressed by the products and brands that I was finding in kind of like the grocery stores. And so I went out on this quest to go find clean but effective high-performing products. and. Um, and I found quite a few of them, and they all had no home. And I, in 2008, when I started finding these brands, I was just like, you know what? There needs to be a Sephora of clean products. There needs to be a Blue Mercury, like somebody who's 
brought them all together um, with healthy plant-based ingredients, but that's also only vetting for kind of high-performing, effective products. How are you defining clean? Okay, that's a great question because yeah. everybody has a different definition, <laughs> right? Um, so we have a, a restricted substance list on our website um, of ingredients that we prohibit. And so that's everything from the obvious ones like or the ones that you hear about a lot. So preservatives like parabens um, are ones that you hear about a lot. Um, you know, sometimes considered mild, mild allergens like uh, SLS and SLES. Those, those are the types of things on there. We take it a step further than I would say a lot of um, retailers and brands do. We prohibit um, a number of other preservatives. Phenoxyethanol is an example of one where it's it's kind of like on the border for some people, but we believe that you know in the absence of enough data and studies, we're just gonna you know not not carry products with that ingredient. And that's just our philosophy. Honestly, everybody has every single brand and retailer has a different one, um, and I think that's okay. Yeah. Did, do you have a scientist or somebody who helps you um, we do. make some of those decisions? Because it's not totally obvious. Actually, I was talking to um, uh, Gucci Westman, the yep. makeup artist, yeah. about her take on clean makeup and what that means to her. And she made a really strong case for the use of preservatives in makeup, which I thought was so interesting yeah. because she was like, you know, don't believe any of this BS about preservative-free this or that you're going to get rotting products and you need preservatives just like you need them in food to keep them shelf stable. And so she made a pretty strong argument for it, which kind of went against a lot of the prevailing wisdom about clean, 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 that, you know, science and preservatives and chemicals are here to help our lives. Although, you know, they can hurt you. It depends on which one. We don't want them to hurt you. Yeah, it it totally depends. We we, uh, believe in the use of preservatives as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we actually encourage it for the same reasons Gucci mentioned. You know, we, anything that has water in it needs to be preserved. A lot of our products have water or even aloe water, you know, coconut water. All of those things need to be preserved or like you said, they get moldy and that's, that's unsafe in and of itself. Right. So we absolutely encourage the use of preservatives, and by the way, tons of safe synthetics. Um, it's just a matter of which ones. And again, everybody like has a different philosophy when it comes to which ones. So Yeah. No, I just think that's interesting, and it's something that I have always grappled with because I think everybody wants what's clean and pure and organic, but, you know, what is the flip side of that? So I like that you guys are thinking about that in a rational way, like, you know, thinking about the clean way yes. to keep things safe and preservative. And to your yeah. first question, we um, we have a advisory board of a number of folks that we brought together. It's kind of a brain trust. <laughs> um, and I call them, you know, the people at my phone of friends, right? So whenever I have a question, I go to them. So we have Dr. Russ Hauser. He's the head of environmental health at Harvard. We have a woman named Gay Timmons who helps us with sourcing. Um, we, we have a dermatologist, um, Erica Klumper. So we, we have a number of people um, on this safety council that help us kind of stay ahead of everything that we need to stay ahead of. And again, they're, they're there because I'm not, I mean, I'm not an MD. I'm not a PhD. I'm not any of those things. I'm an entrepreneur. So I need a brain trust of, of folks way smarter than me um, to be able to access science and support everything that we're doing so so when you quit the law firm and we're kind of getting (laughs) focused on self-care and figuring out i was reading this funny article about how you went to a french lavender farm and you kind of 
did lots of soul cycle yes, and you did yeah. a lot of some of the stuff soul that you're searching about. Too. soul searching <laughs> um what got you from that point to the point of actually creating a legitimate business because yeah. that's a very sort of you know fluffy place to be and you like really admirably took some very lofty ideas about health and wellness and self-care and made them into a tangible business that like actually functions in the world thank you yeah so how did you how did you do that because we all have ideas but not everybody starts fully so so I basically I knew that there was going to need to be a natural clean you know safe whatever you're going to call it uh beauty retailer at Mm -hmm. some point I also knew that we weren't there yet in 2009 when I started this little blog about it um because I would say half to I mean, even a third of the brands that we, none of the brands existed then. Like there were not enough brands out there. So, so I knew that. I also knew that I needed to learn about business and I needed to learn about natural ingredients. I needed to learn about beauty before I could start a natural beauty company. Um, So I had a lot of friends that were getting into everything from sustainable agriculture investing all the way through to becoming chefs. And they were doing these farm stays where they would learn about, you know, growing methods for food and I was like this isn't very different because it's something that comes out of the ground I want to learn how you the difference between organic and biodynamic and conventional growing methods and so I moved to France I worked on a lavender farm for a full growing season and it was actually hard work <laughs> um I like I bet it was like, like I was waking up at five o'clock stuff? in the morning every day yeah it was oh I mean I, I got a free stay and I I was like a farmer so that was interesting when you smell lavender now does it give you like <laughs> post-traumatic stress yeah oh no actually I love it I totally love it it actually brings back good memories um and then I went up to Maine and I worked for a woman um who does kind of private label skincare development she was the former head of skincare at Sephora and um kind of one of I call her the fairy godmother of the beauty industry in the U.S. she was part of the founding team when Sephora came to the U.S. and she's kind of in her dotage now and lives in Maine and so she can be with her grandchildren and she does a lot of consulting and helping beauty brands um, start overnight and she she introduced me to kind of the back end of the beauty industry so I met with a lot of the labs in New Jersey and California because that's where they're all based Um, I learned a lot about everything that goes into products from the ingredient side all the way through to the packaging side and and it was an unbelievable experience. And then I was just like, okay, I need to I need to be able to own this entire thing and know everything about accounting, which by the way, I had never taken an accounting course um, all the way through to how to fundraise. And so I decided to keep working on the concept of Felaina Business School, um, did that, and it was many different things. My professor said I was an idiot for trying to start a retailer because they just thought that that wasn't a good idea. Um, and I still kept on coming back to the fact that these brands were not going to be able to grow without a retailer to bring them all together and to support them. They needed a platform. So um, graduated from school in May of 2013. In July, I opened the doors to our first store. I gave myself a one-year um, basically deadline. And I gave myself milestones that I had to hit in that year. So I needed to get repeat cust- a certain amount of repeat customers. I needed to pay back my little investment. I just... Basically, was like, if I hit all these milestones, then I'll go out and raise capital to grow it. But if I don't, then I'm shutting down the doors and I'm going to get a quote-unquote real job. Um, and I hit all the milestones within the first few months. And it That's was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So a lot of people who are entrepreneurs don't first go to business school because you decided that you wanted to learn a lot before you actually started the company. Um, and that's what led you to the entrepreneurial program at 
at Babson, um, to get your MBA. But I have talked to a lot of people who do the exact opposite thing, where they're like, nope, I'm just going to start and get feedback and iterate and get my next idea out there. Um, What made you decide to get formal education in business before starting your business? To be completely honest, I wanted to buy more time because I didn't have the concept ready yet. And um, and I honestly don't think the market was ready. It, the market wasn't even ready when we started in 2013. So um, it was like starting to get there. But that's what's so cool about what you're doing. I feel like you're defining part of the market. You I know? hope so. I think the most <laughs> powerful brands are ones who create a need and then fill it. Yeah. You know, that that's what allows you to make a new category, which yeah. is so amazing. And so you won your business plan competition, um, the the national business plan. Um, yeah, and you got was... the grand prize. So <laughs> other people obviously thought this was a good idea. Yeah, that definitely gave me enough confidence to, to sign a lease for one year, basically. So why did you decide to become a retailer of other people's brands instead of creating your own brand? If you spent all this time you know, talking to skincare suppliers and lavender farmers yes. and business people, <laughs> yeah. you know, why did you not create a brand? Well, we're starting to now, which I'm so excited about. But at the time, I just kept on coming back to the fact that there were great brands out there with no home, mm-hmm. and I wanted to bring them together. I also wanted to see what customers wanted. Um, at that point, I think most of the brands that were starting, they were starting based on what what they wanted, probably, and that's what I would have done, too. I would have made products that, that I, Tara Foley, wanted, you know? Um, and so now, by opening the store first, we've had years and years of, you know, one-on-ones with the customer and seeing, okay, what ingredients are working best for different skin types and concerns, and what formats do you like best? We, we're launching a number of products next month, actually, underneath the Folane label, and it's they're literally all filling needs that don't exist right now, or products that don't exist in the market. How are you going to convince other retailers, I mean, other um, brands to continue to sell with Folane if you're competing with them? And obviously your SEO is not going to shoot yourself in the foot, right? Like that wouldn't make it's sense. It's a great question. Um, the other brands are excited about it. We're, we're doing it at a price point and packaging and everything that's different than theirs. So the idea is we're bringing, we're, we will hopefully bring a lot new people to the clean category with these products. Um, a lot of people don't enter the clean category because they think that the products are either too expensive or they're textures that they're not used to. And these products will um, basically you know, achieve both of those things. It's gonna be a little bit of a lower price point and different textures so, and different packaging. Um, so the brands that we've discussed it with thus far, they're pretty, they're pretty excited about it. Okay, well that sounds really <laughs> cool. Um, when you are thinking about your goals for the future, are you thinking about more retail locations or are you thinking about focusing more on e-commerce and online types of things? It's a great question. I think there's always going to be an opportunity for more stores. I ultimately want to be wherever the customer needs us to be, right? So if that's doing more selling on social media, if that's doing more on you know our traditional e-commerce site with our Q&A based system, if that's opening pop-ins, pop-ups inside of other store. I, I don't know what it is yet, but um, we're constantly looking at it very, very closely to see what we need to be wherever she wants us to be. We, we need to be there for her, so. Do you feel like people need to try products before they buy them in the skin category, or do people feel pretty good about taking a flyer on it with based on an Instagram post yeah. or whatever? It's, it's really hard. 
it's it's very very hard to get products matched up for people um, because it's not even just like smells and textures it's like you know after two weeks their their skin will feel different and that you know you know this better than anybody <laughs> I mean what what do you think about that how do you think it is selling products on Instagram I, and online well so I think that. Um, we're in a digital era, and I definitely think that e-commerce is a lot more important yeah. than in-store purchasing. Um, I do think that there's an element of touch and feel that's necessary, but I think that social media and social sharing and testimonials and especially the widespread use of video yeah. has made people feel like they almost have the experience of a product and I think it's less necessary. You yeah. know, I always, of course, if you have the opportunity to try something on, try it on. But, um, but I think that we're truly in an information era where we're giving people so much information, detailed ingredients lists, you know, detailed reviews, detailed videos, product applications, you know, close-up texture photography, mm -hmm. that it, a lot of the mystery is taken out of the equation. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we've invested so much in our website and the Q&A based system and the quizzes throughout the entire website. It's trying to get her, give her a similar experience to what she gets in our stores. But at the end of the day, not being able to like feel that texture and smell it is hard for a lot of people. So um, I think what you just said about the, about YouTube and videos and everything like that is, is helping, you know, get over that barrier, but it's, it's still there. So We'll I notice you keep saying her when you refer to the customer. Yeah. Um, do you feel like clean beauty is not for men or what, what is your thought on that? Uh, I would say the vast majority of our customers are women right now. And so I always say her because I'm trying to build the, build the business around that core customer. That being said, clean beauty is 1000% for men too. Um, clean products, I guess they don't want it to be called beauty as much. I know, I've heard that. I've gotten that feedback on my skincare line, scientific beauty. I thought yeah. that was such a cool name. Yeah. And a lot of men are like, they turn it around because they don't want to look at the word beauty. But I, I'm sure that they love this word science though. Yeah, it's interesting. People re respond well to different different keywords. Yeah. So, so yeah. guys, we've found, um, are some of our most retentive customers. So they repeat and they come in and they continue to buy things over and over and over again. It's about getting them in the door the first time. Our stores are a little bit like they have a beautiful bathtub and lots of flower arrangements. And I, it's just, I think it's hard for a lot of guys to just like set foot in the door. Um, and in the website, they think that there needs to be a whole men's section, even though, you know, men, you know this better than anybody, men can have the same skin issues as women, right? They can have mm -hmm. dry skin, they can have oily skin. Um, so they, we, we try and encourage guys to just shop across all the skin categories that a woman would, and they oftentimes just want their own section. So yeah. we're trying to figure out if we build a whole entire men's shop, but it's that's hard. <laughs> that's funny, though, because I feel like that's kind of the classic personality paradigm that you often see like I always joke with my husband because he has a closet full of blue shirts that look exactly yeah. like the other blue shirt that he just wore and I like can't, I mean he may very well just have one shirt but I know that he doesn't but um and then he always gets the same thing at restaurants and he like yeah. he likes his things that he likes and whenever I joke with him about it he's like you're the beneficiary of that. I'm going to like you every day for a oh, oh, that's so sweet. I know. That's like the perfect answer, right? Yeah, I'm like, exactly. okay, fine. I'll stop giving you more time. This is how you ended up with six children with a great husband like that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, that's funny. 
Uh, that's for another podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll just talk more about skin right now. Um, okay, so I think that's really interesting. Um, in terms of some of the stuff you were talking about, um, the, about the milestones of your first year, you know, on this podcast, people want to hear about, you, like, the nitty-gritty of the origin story. Yeah. And we were chatting offline a little bit about how I love... Um, how I built this and this mm-hmm. is like kind of my budget beauty version of how I built I this. <laughs> so I um so I wanted you to talk through as specifically um as you can some of the milestones that you had for deciding that this was going to be a viable business when you were in your first year. I, I mentioned a, a couple of the most important ones which was getting repeat customers, um paying that and how many repeat customers did you feel like you needed to get? Like was it a percentage or a, a fixed it number? It was literally like I in the in the first six months I wanted to see repeat customers and I did and that was exciting. Like and any repeat customers. Yes, pretty much. I honestly I didn't know if this was gonna work. So we opened before any of the other clean beauty retailers existed. So, I mean, there are a number here in New York. There are a, a bunch all over the country now. I mean, now Sephora, Target, everybody's selling this category. At that point, nobody was doing it. It was July of 2013. Literally, there was one pop-up in, on Abbott Kinney that I had heard about, and that was the only other one in the whole country. So, I mean, I was like, you know, a Do you few consider, blocks. like, Goop a clean beauty retailer or not? So, they weren't as as active in it at that point. They mm-hmm. were more content. I don't even know if they were selling stuff at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I didn't really, con- I mean, now I definitely consider them a clean beauty retailer. At that point, I don't even know if they were selling stuff online. That, I don't even know if they were selling anything or if they yeah. were just content. Um, but so I, I mean, I just basically, I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know if this is gonna work at all. Actually, a funny story. One of the one of the reasons why I did know it was one of the like hinters I had that it might work was that um, I open I went to go open the store one day. By the way, I was the only I was the sole employee. I was there seven days a week every every week um, for the first three months before I asked my friend to babysit the store one weekend when I had to go to a wedding. I mean, it was like that. It was very very bootstrapped in the beginning. Um, that's so awesome. That's like my favorite thing you've said this whole. Interview. Okay, good. <laughs> Well, I went, uh, I was going in to open the door to the shop one morning and there was a woman waiting outside and I was like, gosh, she looks so familiar. And maybe she was a repeat customer. (laughs) Maybe she was from the neighborhood. And um, she came in and I was like, gosh, you look so familiar. Can I ask who you are? And she said that she was Jamie Rosen. She was the um, beauty director of Town & Country at the time. And I was like, oh my God, how do you, why, how do you know about us? Like our, our little first shop was definitely, a de- is a destination. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere in the South End neighborhood in Boston. And you really have to know about us <laughs> to find it. Um, and it was like the cheapest real estate ever. And anyhow, so she had heard from the brands, again, we only had a few at the time. She had heard from those brands that there was somebody bringing them all together and she sought us out. And she was up there for a conference and she was like, you were the first thing on my agenda today and like I had to come see you. I can't believe somebody's finally doing this. And I've since stayed in touch with her and she's been very supportive of the business ever since then. But it was like, okay, a beauty editor found me, you know, six months in. This is real. I I mean, that's crazy. And so um, it was it was a very that was a really special day for me because. You know, these brands that we had brought together, they had such street cred with the beauty editors, but they had never been under one roof together. So that's when I knew that we were onto something. Well, that was one of the one of the times I knew. What we were, were the something. first few brands you brought on? 
Um, Tammy Fender, are you familiar with that brand? So no. she's a esthetician based in Palm Beach in Florida, and she's been she's been working on skin for for decades, um, and just started her line probably about ten years ago. And um, she was one of our first brands. So basically, I wanted to have I didn't have any money again, and I wanted to, um, and so I only had skincare to start. I didn't have hair care. I didn't have makeup. I didn't have anything else when I um, opened the store. And I wanted to have um, a, I wanted to cover all the different prices. I wanted to cover all the different skin types and concerns. But again, I had very little resources to do it. So I had one high-end line in Tammy Fender. I had a very, very kind of basic line for very sensitive skin in a brand called SW Basics. Um, I had a brand called Dr. Alkytis. Um, pharmaesthetics. Um, are you familiar with them? Do you know any of these? Okay. <laughs> no, this is like okay. major esoterica, but I like it. Yeah, you like um, dig, di- or digging deep here. Yeah, I, I dug deep. I mean, I was, at that point, I had been blogging about the stuff for, for five or six years, and I had tested all of these brands um, and knew the products that they were best at making. We never have carried full brand portfolios ever. We carry their hero products. Um, and I feel like that's such a trend yeah. um, now with retailers that and I think that's actually a trend with consumers and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this but what I am noticing is that patients and clients and um, even like the super fans of my skincare line they'll choose their you know three or four favorite products and then they'll hand pick it. Everyone is like super into customization and curation, mm-hmm. whether it's their surgical result or injectables or their skincare or makeup, where they'll have like a lipstick from this brand, a mascara from that brand. They only use the eyebrow powder from this brand and et cetera. Yep. And all the way down through their shampoo, soap, lotion, whatever. Yep. That's exactly what we do for the customer. I mean, that's one of the key differentiators between us and all the other clean beauty retailers in that we, we you know... We are highly, highly curated. We carry the hero products from each of the brand, the 80 plus brands we sell now. Um, and then again, you can take a quiz and you can continue to curate it down even more so for yourself. And so we just were acutely aware of the fact that nobody shops a single brand for their entire, I mean, for makeup, shampoo, all the way through to skincare. Um, so we're there, we do all of the homework for you. We find the best of the best by each of the brands and then we can curate it down for your needs even more. Do you think that's going to change how brands start working in the future? Do you think brands will start curating themselves where they focus on their three hero products instead of their 25 SKUs? Yeah, I think they already have started to, to be honest. Um, One of our top selling products in the store is uh, the Vintner's Daughter Serum. Are you familiar with that Mm -hmm. one? Um, And, you know, what's interesting is... um, it's it does incredibly well. It's for I would say I would I would say it's it's especially good for a specific skin type. It works for everybody, but it's especially good for a specific skin type. Um, and it's like it's it's pretty interesting. She's built a very very strong brand on a single product. She's coming out with a new one soon, but um, she's had one product for the five years she's been in existence. So and she's built as big of a brand as some brands that have you know fifteen products, which is so fascinating. Yeah. I think that's very interesting and in a way much more efficient right mm-hmm. because each each skew in your product line yes. can be a little pricey um, yeah that's exactly right uh so devoting your resources to um to one thing is is certainly an interesting idea yeah um 
Wonderful. Well, um, when did you decide that you could bring on more employees? You grew from just oh. one person to 75. So how did that, how did that work? <laughs> and that's honestly been the hardest part of the whole journey. Cause I've always been the founder and CEO, but all of a sudden now I'm like a leader of a huge team. Um, and not the corner shop girl. <laughs> um, so how did that work? So basically in 2014, I decided to fundraise to open more pop-ups and stores and to try more categories um, in the space. So hair care, uh, body care, um, we had fragrance for a while, we no longer have it, that type of thing. And so at that point we had uh, a number of retail team members. And, um, and then in 2016, I saw that the appetite for clean beauty had really started to peak. And there were so many people looking to kind of start their clean beauty journeys, whatever that meant. Some some people it's just makeup, some people it's one product, some people it's their entire medicine cabinet, whatever it means for you, there are more people seeking out at least a few options. And I decided that we needed to make an investment in building a digital side of the business. Um, to do that, I needed people that were way smarter than me in building a digital business because I had never done that before and that's complicated. Um, so. I took on another round of fundraising, a more institutional style round, um, took on a partner and basically overnight had a team of 11 people. Um, and then we've since grown to around 20, 25 people in our office in Boston. Do you still retain um, most of the control of your company or is that something that you talk about? Um, I don't talk about it that much. <laughs> a little? Uh, a little. Maybe today. A little, <laughs> we'll maybe today. Um, it's, it's completely complicated, to be honest, um, and changing more than, more than I would ever think. Um, you know, I've, there was at one point in the history where I, you know, got more ownership after having less. So... Um, it's all dependent on how the business is doing and in our like six short years it's actually been a kind of a wild ride building a retailer takes a lot more capital than building a brand um, so there's certainly been times where I've been not at all the majority owner of the company um, and there have been some times when I have been so what do you think it's going to do now for you to have a brand within the retailer it's actually um, it's not going to be as complicated as I think it's going to take. We're going to have to build out a small team within our team to do it, but not as big of a team as I thought originally, um, which I'm psyched about <laughs> because I was really nervous. I thought we were going to have to build a whole other company. How do you focus on marketing, Folane? How did you get word out there? Um, that's a great question. So we're doing a lot of things like this meeting with people who are have platforms um, themselves and are kind of using media to spread the message. Um, that's been, I think, the most effective way we've done it. We obviously do really traditional kind of like Facebook and Instagram ads and stuff like that. That's not, I, I don't like it as much because it's not as effective. The customer acquisition cost is not as efficient and it's like, it's just not a efficient, good way to build a business. And it's not fun, right? I no. don't know about everyone who's listening to this, but I personally really don't like Instagram and Facebook ads. I like Instagram content. And you I mean like it for when I, yeah, like I yeah. yeah, I like for consumption. I don't yeah. really do them for um, through my business or practice, but just I think because I don't like looking yeah. at them. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's fair. I, I like stumbling upon stuff and I like the feeling of organicness, even though you know, nothing is as organic as yeah. you would hope, including like vegetables. So you've never but, bought um, something from an ad that just kind of snuck in there before? That popped up? Yeah. Um, 
I don't think I've ever made a personal purchase based on an Instagram ad. All right. Yeah. How do you decide? So is it mainly your kind of network of close friends that help inform your decisions? Uh, like either on Instagram or like, I don't know, phoning a friend? Yeah. It, in terms of the beauty space or everything. everything? Like a new pair of shoes, like where to go on vacation, everything. I personally tend to rely on... Um, kind of my my vetted experts. Okay. So like if I have to buy, if I have to wear something for an event, I'll have a stylist help me select okay. looks. Okay. Um, or if I'm, uh, I mean, I'm a little time starved. So yes. I think that that is very efficient for me. Yeah. I don't do as much organic stumbling upon stuff as I used to. Um, but I also like to consume a ton of media. So mm-hmm. whenever I have downtime, I'm always reading the newspaper, listening to podcasts, or um, looking at, you know, social feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my friends are, you know, people like you who are really interesting and smart and well-connected and, like, they know what's up. And so I get a lot of vetting from that. But I certainly consume media, yeah, yeah, social media, yeah. print media, visual media, just like everybody else. So, you know, I'm not immune to ads. Totally. It's yeah. just fascinating to me because I feel like how much of the media, I have no idea how much of the media I consume is driven by companies anymore. I just really don't because it's like we have such great, you see so many companies having great relationships with influencers and it's just, it's become so, you know, squishy. Oh yeah, and I feel like <laughs> FTC guidelines are total bull right now. Right. Like nobody, I mean the guidelines themselves are great, but I think that nobody is making explicit what is happening behind the scenes and there will be times when I'll read content on you know like a refinery 29 type of thing and not to call out the publication because I have a lot of great friends associated yeah Yeah, but um but I will I will legitimately not know if that has been paid for in some way Mm -hmm. or traded upon Mm -hmm. or if they're actually covering Mm -hmm. a piece and so I feel a little like Skeptical. Yeah, you never know. I'm inherently skeptical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's okay. I mean, I think I think it's okay to be inherently skeptical. And you have your network of experts. You're like, obviously, you're combining both worlds. Yeah. So What do you do to? Vet I stuff? I think I actually am very similar to you. Um, I have you know when I'm um, looking at new, um, I think vitamins is one that I've been focusing on a lot right now. Okay, (laughs) interesting. And so I have a number of kind of people, friends, all the way through to like actual experts um, that are like trained and have degrees and stuff. Um, I am always reaching out to people to see, you know, what they've tried and what they believe works and doesn't work. Um, And I would say I definitely... It's that combined with a healthy dose of consumption on on Instagram. Instagram is the best, yeah, right? It's it we are living in such a visual it and is. fast-paced world mm-hmm. that the idea of just pushing out visual content in 10 minutes and reaching millions of people it still blows my mind to this day. I know me too. I've gotten so so much less orchestrated about my own personal Instagram. I, I have used to find to, your Instagram. <laughs> it's TCO Foley. <laughs> okay. I um I used to I used to be so crazy about filters and about making everything look so good. That was that was very short lived, and now I have no time to do that anymore. <laughs> How important is the Foley and Instagram page in your? It's becoming increasingly know? important um, as as we grow the digital business. It's not. It's not the most important thing for us by any means, but um, it's becoming increasingly important. 
Amazing. Well, this has been so fun chatting with you, and um, I can't wait to gift you some clean beauty products from my line. Oh, okay. <laughs> thank you so much and, for having um, me. It's been really fun. And where can people find you and Folane? Thanks for asking. Um, in any of our stores across the country, but uh, Folane.com, F-O-L-L-A-I-N.com is our site that can guide you there or guide you to the right products for you. Amazing. Thanks again.